The Law Report with Karen Key. And a very good evening to you from tonight's Law Report programme. Well, earlier this year, the Department of Justice and Constitutional Development introduced a new set of rules which aims to incorporate formal mediation in our court system. The implementation of these rules aims to enhance access to justice and to introduce an affordable and less adversarial means of settling disputes. By doing this, the Department of Justice is recognising mediation as a successful alternative to pricey litigation. So, to talk more about this, I'm joined this evening by two guests, Attorney Ashley Curran, and she's a partner at Duplessis and Curran Attorneys, and Attorney and Mediator John O'Leary, who's recently published a book entitled Mediation in Family and Divorce Disputes. Now, both Ashley and John are also accredited mediators with the Family Association of Mediators of the Cape, also known as FAMAC. Ashley and John, good evening. Welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Good evening. Thanks for having us. And just before we begin, a reminder that there's a list of available documents on the Facebook page, Law on SAF. If you'd like any of them, post a message on Facebook, but please do remember to include your email address, or if you don't have access to Facebook, you can email me on law at safm.co.za, and I'll send you a copy of the list, and then you can choose what you want. But if you have any questions for us, you can call us now on 0892 10 2010, 0892 10 2010. The Law Report with Karen Key. Ashley, let's start with you. Just explain this mediation. It's not all just about divorce, because I think when people hear mediation, they think it's all about divorce. It isn't only all about divorce. No, that's correct. It can be dealt, it can be used in a variety of areas of the law, such as commercial disputes, uh, employment disputes is currently held. And as far as criminal law, mediation is being used to to resolve conflicts between, between individuals. Gosh, that's quite a broad spectrum then. Yes, it is. So, oh. so pretty much any, any conflict between individuals who are prepared and willing to refer the matter to mediation can be mediated upon. And John, mediation, I mentioned there that it can actually, it's an alternative to pricey litigation. But besides the pricey litigation, time as well. I mean, it's, it's a lot shorter. Normally it is. And that's really the big saving, I think, is more in terms of time often than in cost. Um, because what we certainly try and do in the more complicated mediations is ensure that clients do have legal advisors in the background, that they do consult and that they do check when they reach an appropriate point in the mediation that they are acting in their best interests and in the best interests of their children. So we do involve lawyers in the process, but it certainly is a process that is a lot cheaper than uh, running a matter all the way to trial and uh, the time and expense involved in getting to trial. That certainly is far cheaper. Before we came on air, you were giving me sort of a just an, a kind of an idea, a ballpark ti- a figure of of time mm. that it could actually take to get through mediation. You said in some cases maybe five meetings. Yes, that's right. If it's a if it's a divorce matter, then I think typically if all the issues are needing to be resolved, children's issues and financial issues, you could, on average, do that between three and six sessions. In some unusual matters that are very straightforward, you can do it in one or two sessions, and then you get the very, very complicated ones which run on a lot longer. But the average is about between three and six sessions. And actually, the, the nice thing about this as well, the whole process is completely transparent. Everybody knows what's happening. There's no sort of one side sort of hiding behind the store, sorting out their business, and the other one doing it somewhere else. Everything, everybody knows everything, and it's just far more open and civilized. 
That's correct. Uh, a mediator is completely impartial. So from the get-go, they will advise both individuals that any correspondence, telephone calls, individually made will be communicated to the other side. So if an email is sent by one individual to the mediator, that mediator will typically forward that onto the other party. And that creates the, the transparency and, and impartiality that, that's essential to the mediation process. So John, is this now a case of you can't just take it upon yourself, you want to go to court anymore, you have to first try the mediation route? In the court rules, in the proposed yes. new rules. No, that system is is going to be a voluntary system. Oh, okay. There was an attempt three or four years ago to propose introducing it on a mandatory basis, but that has been shelved for a number of reasons. And the system that's going to be implemented from the 1st of December is a voluntary system, and it's only in certain magistrates' courts. Oh, so not everywhere? No, no. So how will we know where and when we are able to do this? Uh, well, the plan is to implement it from the 1st of December, and there is a list of magistrates' courts that um, will be covered. Most of the Western Cape courts uh, in the metropolitan area are covered, but it's by no means all the courts nationally. Uh, it's, it's intended as a pilot project. To oh, see so we're running goes. the pilot down here in Cape Town initially? And there are other... And some others, There yes. are some others, but it's certainly not countrywide. And it looks like eventually it will be, hopefully. Yes, because it just really just sounds like the best way to go with this. I mean, it's far less contentious and there's, you know, it's just that whole court thing. Sometimes you, you hear about these things becoming quite ugly and it, it's awful and the children are dragged through this. It's, mm. if, some, if, it's, if it's a divorce case, it just really becomes quite unpleasant. Yeah, well, litigation by its nature is acrimonious. Mm. So when you're involved in that process, it tends to polarize both sides. Mm. Whereas mediation brings those parties together and makes, it real, makes them realize what's actually at stake. And that, that's the part of the role that the mediator plays, is to identify the issues and to facilitate and guide the, the individuals in arriving at solutions that are workable in the future. Now, I mentioned at the beginning that John has written a book called Mediation in Family and Divorce Disputes. John, where is this book available? Can people get hold of this? Yes, uh, it's published by Cyber Inc. That's S-I-B-E-R-I-N-K. And they have a website, cyberinc.co.za. And it's also available through Kalahari. Kalahari, okay. Because uh, as I also mentioned to you when you came in here, I... I said I actually enjoyed the book, although how you can enjoy a book about mediation and divorce. It's, but the reason why I enjoyed it was the fact that I could actually understand every single word. I wasn't sitting there thinking, gosh, this is written by an attorney, and I'm sitting and going, I don't actually know what you're talking about. I understood everything, which was fabulous. But just to go to the book now, in the book you've got lists of questions people need to ask themselves before they go to mediation. You explain exactly how this works. There's even a copy of an agreement that you would draw up yeah. if you're going to go into mediation. Just talk me through the process of, of mediation. How does this actually work? Who do you approach to get yourself a mediator? How do you start the process? All right. Uh, with pleasure. In each centre, and the major metropolitan areas, Joburg, Pretoria, Durban, Cape Town, Port Elizabeth, have well-established groups of mediators. So if somebody in one of those areas thinks that they want to find out about a mediation, there are a number of websites and Google searches will generally find, you know, Family Mediator Johannesburg will, will get you onto lists. In the mediation process itself, the key thing is that both parties will need to agree to come into the process. And typically what happens is one person, let's say Ashley is the mediator and you and I have a dispute, one of us will phone Ashley and say we've been referred to you, we know that mediation can be helpful, can you talk us through how it will work? 
and then Ashley will explain to me exactly how the process works and then the critical thing is how do we then get Corin to come into the mediation process and that might involve a phone call between you and Ashley, it might involve a joint meeting where we just discuss the process initially. More and more what we emphasize in mediation is the importance of a assessment meeting if you like prior to the mediation actually starting where both parties just talk about the process they don't talk about the content of whatever fight it is they're happening they talk about how this thing is going to work who's going to be talking when how is it going to work where are we going to meet how long is it going to take what's it going to cost and the value of those pre-mediation meetings which sometimes happen with separately the parties don't meet together the value of those kind of meetings is to just filter out some of the key problems that might occur up front. You know, we were talking earlier on before going on air about the Oscar Pretorius trial and things like that. Domestic violence is a huge, huge issue and you don't want to be in a situation where you get into a mediation cold and within two or three minutes it's clear that there's a massive domestic violence problem and what do you then do? Whereas if you've filtered out some of those things before you actually get into the mediation, it's, it's a great help. Um, so we place more and more emphasis on preparation for mediation and, and uh, proper advice, proper counselling prior to getting into the mediation process. Yeah, just following on from what John, John said, in my mediation practice, that's exactly what I do. I have pre-mediation meetings where I explain the process. There are a lot of concerns and confusion around what, what the role of an attorney as the mediator is. So that pre-mediation session is very useful in explaining to the, the parties that we don't act as attorneys, we act as mediators. And in doing, doing so, we don't impart legal advice. It's legal information in those in those mediation sessions. That's why John mentioned earlier that they would possibly bring somebody else with them. Would that be an, their own attorney? So Correct. they would each have an attorney and then there would be you as an attorney, but not an attorney, and rather the mediator. Correct. Okay. Correct. So it's it's very important in those pre-mediation sessions to to differentiate between our role that they don't see the mediator as their attorney, but simply as the impartial mediator. Okay. So that that again comes down to the transparency thing, where yes. it's it's you are completely neutral in the whole matter. Correct. Correct. Okay. How has, has this been taken up so far? Because it's a relatively new concept over the last few years in South Africa. Mm. How have the public responded to this? It's taken time to develop, and I think one of the things that FAMAC in the Western Cape has done well from its inception 20 years ago is to emphasize the importance of the attorneys who are advising the clients in the background. Um, so that mediation is not seen to be something that is against litigation attorneys or against the attorney's profession. It's not anything like that at all. Good mediations require clients to be well advised by their own attorneys and financial advisors. What does tend to happen in the mediation process is that the meetings between the mediator and the clients often don't have the attorneys present at those meetings. I was going to ask you whether the no. attorney spoke for the clients no. at the mediation. They, they're just in the background. That's they're hovering. Right. Okay. That's right. Usually they don't come to meetings. They might come to the initial sort of let's find out about the process discussions. But when you actually get started with the actual mediation, uh, in family mediations, it tends not to involve the attorneys directly in the meetings because that will just be a whole much more expensive mm. exercise. In commercial mediations, on the other hand, it's typical to have the attorneys 
there for the whole process. So it's really for the person themselves to have their say. As you were saying also before yeah. we came on air, sometimes all people want is just to have a chance to have their five cents in there. Mm. Yes. You know, yes. and that actually is, is possibly something they lose if they go to court, the attorney speaking on their behalf. Yes. Whereas here they're speaking for themselves. That's correct. So it makes quite a difference. Yeah, it, it kind of gives them a sense of control over the process. And that, that is one of the, you know, the beauties of mediation is that, that both individuals are controlling the process and they're controlling the outcome. It has to be mutually acceptable outcomes. So that degree of control given to them is very empowering. Just a reminder, you tuned to SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. I'm Karen Key and this is The Law Report. My guests tonight are attorneys Ashley Curran and John O'Leary. They're both accredited mediators with the Family Association of Mediators of the Cape and we're talking, obviously, about mediation. If you have any questions, you can call us now on 0892 10 2010. So just to go back to the actual process itself. Now, they've, the mediation has happened. You've come to a conclusion. What happens then? Everybody's agreed and it's all happy and you've got the final story. What then, what is the next step? Okay. What we do is we draw up a summary of the mediation outcomes, which is a fairly comprehensive document recording the proposals that are mutually acceptable to the clients. It's not necessarily in such technical language as you might get in a formal settlement agreement, but it summarizes all the proposals that the clients have reached and it gives the person who's going to be drawing up the final settlement agreement for court purposes all the information that they need in order to draw up that final agreement. The reason why the mediator doesn't do that themselves is because you can't take off your impartial mediator hat and suddenly put on the hat of somebody representing one of the parties against the other in a, in a court process. So we, we're quite strict and careful about that. But the idea is that the mediation summary would then be available for the clients to take to their own advisors to just do a final check to see that they're acting responsibly and acting in their best interests. And then it should be a simple matter if the summary has been well drawn to then convert it into a settlement agreement for court purposes. Now, this final agreement that's drawn up, um, Ashley, they, it can either be a settlement that's agreed on and it's binding after the mediation, and in some cases it still has to then go to court. Yes, in most instances, either party's legal representation would advise them that it gets made in order of court, and that's to ensure that later down the line, if there any, are any problems, that that agreement can be enforced. So in 99.9% in of, of cases, it will be made in order of court. Are there any cases where, or any situations where it isn't advisable to go into mediation but rather just to go straight to court? There are certain situations which become tricky and that's namely where, which John mentioned earlier, domestic violence. It's very difficult to mediate matters involving domestic violence, particularly when parties, you know, cannot even be in the same room together and the issues run far more of far more consequence to the individuals involved. The other tricky situation is when there's addiction, um, so drug addiction also and mental illness becomes very, very difficult to mediate matters. And that's when it, it often does end up in court and family advocates office gets involved, they need to put reports together and ultimately the magistrate or judge will have to decide. So there are certain cases, so this isn't for everything, but it's for pretty much almost everything. Yes, correct, correct. Okay. We talk about, we have a lot of questions on the show about child custody issues. Is this one of those things that could possibly ease the path when it comes to child custody? Because that can become extremely contentious. 
Absolutely. In my opinion, the court system is, is not suitable for, for dealing with children and, and custody arrangements. Each family is different. So the mediation process allows those families to identify and put in place particular solutions that, that deals with their family unit and their structure. Uh, custody mediation, we can get co-mediators involved, so child psychologists, clinical psychologists get involved, and they can ultimately identify and assist the parties in, in arriving at those solutions that is workable for their family unit. It just makes it obvious. It just sounds a lot calmer than, than this because sometimes you, s- you hear about these child custody issues and it it's really can become quite an ugly slanging match in court. Yes. And, and you don't really want to do that with the children. I mean, it's awful. Yeah, unfortunately, in, in many instances, the children become collateral mm. damage in divorces where they do become the, the kind of pawns in in maintenance and, and division of assets. And so there, there, are, there are serious consequences for children in acrimonious divorces that drag on for years and, and where they see the actual effects of their parents fighting. Do family advocates ever get involved in mediation cases, John? Very much so. They have to. In fact, in any matter where a court proceeding is launched and there are minor children, in other words, under 18 years old, then the family advocate has to have a look at the any agreement that is produced. It was in the best interest of the yeah. child always. Yeah, mm. that's right. That's right. And the courts will generally not uh, grant an order unless they see that the family advocate's endorsement is on a proposed agreement. That's good. Yeah, that's it is. It's, it gives you a safeguard. Mm. And it's actually a very nice thing in mediations to be able to explain to clients as part of the process that, look, quite apart from whatever review you might uh, take the mediation summary to, uh, you know that the family advocate is going to have a look at the agreement as well, and you've got that extra safeguard in the process. You mentioned the dreaded word a little earlier, and I wondered if that was something that you could sort out in mediation, maintenance. Is that ever something that comes up as, as a thing that would have to go to mediation? Yes, it does. It does often come up. Uh, it can be a little bit tricky if you don't have legal training, if you don't have a legal background. To be mediating maintenance matters is, is not advisable. Um, you do need that legal background to be able to, to assist the parties. So not all mediators are attorneys? No. No, no. no, no okay. No, no. So tell me about mediators. Who are you guys exactly? Okay. The tendency for people going into mediation training is people who come either out of a mental health training background or a legal background. That's the world over is typically those two uh, groups, if you like. So social workers, psychologists, psychiatrists, and in South Africa, attorneys and advocates are your groups which by and large seek mediation training. It's not exclusive to those professions by any means. We've had a number of people over the years. We've had a in fact, we've had a broadcaster, we've had teachers, we've had uh, retired ministers of religion, active ministers of religion, um, lay councillors, but those tend to be the minority and the vast majority are, are lawyers and psychologists and social workers. And if people are interested in finding out more about becoming a mediator, they would contact FAMAC here in Cape Town, yes, basically. Yes, that's, that's right. And then the training, I would imagine, is done by them? Yes. And what does that entail? I mean, is it, if you're not an attorney like yourselves, um, would it be a longer training course or? The basic training is a 40-hour training. And then if you are, let's say, for example, you are a psychologist, you do the 40-hour training, and then you would do an additional 12 hours on uh, legal issues, 
just to give you a little bit of a background, not to t- train you as a lawyer, mm. but well, to give you... couldn't do that in 12 hours. <laughs> well, it, it gives you a couple of red flags. <laughs> okay. gives you a couple of warning signs of things to look out for. I mean, that's, that's really what the 12-hour course is intended for. And likewise, if you are a lawyer, you would then do a 12-hour course in, in mental health issues. Um, and then we require trainee mediators to do a number of co-mediated sessions together with a, an accredited co-mediator and attend a few meetings and workshops. Um, so there's mentoring built into the training process and I think that's an important part of it. It's it's very hard to just go in at the deep end and start mediating without some kind of mentoring. And it's sort of really, I don't think, especially because it can be quite contentious yeah. um, at anyway, so you'd need to know how to deal with all of that be quite um, difficult. We are see, we do seem to be having a problem with our phone lines tonight. They seem to be disconnecting every five minutes. So if you'd like to just give us a call, try again. It's 0892 10 2010. Actually, going back to this whole mediation, the family and all of that sort of thing, is this something that I asked John earlier if this was something that was being more accepted by the general public, but in your sort of practice, what sort of kinds of of, of um, issues are you seeing more of? Is it more divorce issues? Is it business issues? What is it? Yeah. Typically, I mean, mediation, as John mentioned earlier, has been around for a number of years. Now, with the Department of Justice, the, new, the introduction of the new rules has done two things for mediation. First of all, it's formally recognized that there's an alternative way to resolve conflicts. And second of all, it's created an awareness between members of the public. And what I'm seeing is an increase in in people considering the alternative way of of resolving their their dispute. But typically at the moment, those disputes are are family law related. So I'm seeing an increase in divorce mediation. That's, That's keeping me the busiest in my mediation practice at the moment. There is interest in commercial mediation However, the, the increase in those matters is slower than the family law side of things. Yeah, commercial issues, that, I mean, those normally go to court and drag on for years anyway. And so, I mean, this would possibly be a way of getting them through the system a whole lot quicker. Yes, yes. And, and you know, business owners and shareholders and anyone doing business should, should just see this as an, an extension of business negotiation. There's relationships that need to be saved. There's money that needs to be saved. It makes economical sense to mediate and try and salvage those, those working relationships as opposed to fighting it out for years and walking away with a lose-lose situation where there's bitterness, there's resentment, and there's absolutely no way that business relationship can, can flourish. Yeah, and it sort of strikes me that if you're going to court possibly for a financial sort of reason, you could come out the other end in debt as opposed to having come out with the money that you'd gone in looking for. Oh, because you've gone on for so long and the costs have increased and you've ended up losing out in the end. Yes, that's correct. And even if you succeed in that court case, you don't recover 100% of your mm. legal fees. It's tariff-based and the recovery is, you know, there, there is a shortfall that you will be left with and you will feel that in your pocket as business. So if I was you listening out there and you were thinking of going to court, I'd seriously phone a mediator <laughs> tomorrow morning. Definitely. Sounds like definitely the way to go. So, John, you know, it's, it's one of those things you sort of almost wonder to yourself why they hadn't thought of something doing something like this a whole lot earlier. Mm. It just seems so, as I keep on saying the word civilised, as opposed to literally battling it out in court. Yes, yeah, so... Mediation is not new by any means. It's in many forms and in many cultures, it's an ancient practice. But I think what has happened is that Western cultures, so to speak, have been slow to separate themselves from an adversarial system of, of resolving disputes. So, you know, much of our legal processes and procedures are inherited from 
from English and Western European law. And it just is a very difficult thing to persuade people to adopt a different mindset to resolve things in a different way from what they used to. You know, we tend to react in a knee-jerk way and do things the way we're familiar doing things. But it is something which I think is, is gaining ground in the sense that clients, and particularly commercial clients, as, as Ashley was talking about just now, realize that in mediation they can gain an assessment of the risks which are facing their businesses or their families or whatever situation they are in. And risk assessment is a very important part of mediation. So even if your mediation doesn't necessarily resolve all the issues that are on the table in a dispute, it can go a long way towards helping the clients to say, okay, well, these 10 issues we're going to resolve, but there are two remaining issues which we really need a court to make a ruling on. And so, you know, 10 twelfths of that dispute has been resolved and uh, the, the remaining issues sometimes do go on to court. So it, it's, it's a very flexible tool. Mediation is very informal. It's an off the record process. It's without prejudice. So no recording is made or minutes kept of the mediation meeting. The whole point of it is that it's to create a space for the clients to try to negotiate a settlement of their dispute without any fear that they're going to be quoted in court. You said this in the mediation or you said that in the mediation. It's to create a space in which people can just talk freely about what is concerning them about their dispute and uh, hopefully resolve it through that process. Right, we've got Ricky on the line from the Free State wants to talk about a building a dispute in a building subcontract. Ricky, good evening. Yeah, good evening. Good evening to you and your panel. How can we help yeah. you, Ricky? Hello. All right, just a quick one. I've, I've actually, I've got a major dispute with, uh, with the main contract on, on a contract I'm doing. So uh, we've instituted legal proceedings, but now that we're talking about mediation. Uh, is there a way to retract and take the mediation route? And, uh, oh, Ricky, you're breaking up there, but I think what you're asking is whether you can retract the court um, you, you I said you were going to go to court. You yeah. want to retract that now and rather go the mediation route. Yeah, is, is that a possibility, basically? Yeah. Absolutely it is. Uh, and you raise a very important point in asking that question. Mediation is a very flexible process. So what often happens is you have the litigation continues and the mediation happens parallel to the litigation. Okay. Um, so, you know, what what often happens typically is that people will suspend the litigation and then go into mediation for a period and hopefully then everything is resolved and you don't have to go back to litigation but sometimes there will be matters where either yeah. some some or all of the issues are resolved but you've got a very much clearer idea as to what the litigation is really going to be about but uh, most certainly it's it's you see going into a mediation process you're not committing yourself to anything final you it's an exploratory process and you are effectively saying with the other party in the dispute, let's just take a step back from the litigation and have a look at things at the moment. Just one question on that. If, 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 if I initiate the mediation, does that mean I carry the mediation cost? No, not, not normally. The costs are usually split equally between both parties. It, yeah. is, it is open to an agreement between the both of you. So whatever arrangement yeah. you agree to, that'll then, then determine who, who is liable for the costs. But no, it doesn't mean that just because one party institutes or suggests yeah. mediation that they are liable for costs. And so what if, what if upon mediation we find that um, the actual party is, well, so say for, in, for example, mediation shows proves that 
the main contract is, is, is was wrongfully in, in conduct and therefore do they carry the full cost? No, no, mediation is not a punitive process where, as it is in the courts, where if the, if the one party is found kind of in breach or in default, then they're, they're punished with a cost order. That's, yeah, yeah. that's not how it works in the mediation process. The agreement will be made up front with the mediator as to costs. And regardless of, of, of who's in the right and who's in the wrong, that yeah. agreement as to, to cost will stand. Okay. Right. John? Thank you Sorry, much. just hold on, Ricky. It, yep. Yeah, another interesting point comes up from what you say there. You may well have a situation in a mediation where you have three or four or five parties involved in the process. It's it's yep. not it's not only between two parties. So, in your matter, it sounds like what might happen is you may be have one or two subcontractors and then main contractors and then the the uh, client commissioning the work might all get involved in a discussion, and then part of that mediation would be to say, okay. What are we going to do about the costs that have been incurred up to now and how are we going to split these costs? And costs is very often one of the issues that is discussed in the mediation itself. Yeah, is it generally cheaper a cheaper route than the normal litigation? Or, or oh, yes. oh yes, oh yes. And right. by all accounts, Ricky, a whole lot shorter as well. No, no, 100%, yeah. But now I'm going to sound terribly um, intelligent here, but I'm not. I'm just reading something off my screen that my producer's put up there. He says, if you're using a JBCC document, it should spell out what form of dispute resolution is to be used. Do you have one of those documents? Yes, 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 we do. But the problem is the main contract doesn't seem to be following that. So so there's just a major dispute on the actual JBCC itself. Oh, okay. Yeah, so oh, it's, it's a long process. <laughs> But anyway, all right. Okay, because the, apparently right. you can actually change that, um, whatever that form of dispute resolution is, is laid down on, in the document, you can change that by agreement. But if he's not following anything anyway, um, yeah. maybe you should uh, phone a mediator first thing tomorrow morning. Actually, yeah, no, 100%, because, uh, well, basically the main contract they didn't want to sign the JBCC with their special conditions. So I, uh, I refused their special conditions and I continued with work. But there's, a, there's an agreement in principle. But right now they don't want to pay me for work done already and they've been paid for the work that I've done. So, so that's the dispute. So they haven't signed the actual agreement, but still, there's a binding agreement if enforced because they've paid me for a few, few, few payment certificates, but not the last, the last three. So that's basically the situation. Okay. But mm, all Ricky, right, Ricky but just just much. hold on one more second. John, mediators in the Free State. But he would look them up. What would he do? Just that's <coughs> one of the areas where a lot of work still needs to be done to develop mediation. Um, there are one or two people. Um, I would suggest googling uh, building contract mediators yeah and just see what comes up there for free state and johannesburg and what you often find is that the johannesburg people will also work in the free state um yeah, yeah. but if, if you get completely stuck looking for people you can uh, get in touch with famac which is info at famac.co.za and we'll try to help out ricky there, there's all there's Repeat also uh, at the end of the show, please. I will. Right. I will certainly do that. Right. But there's also the South African Association of Arbitrators. They might be able to help you or point you in the right direction. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks Ricky. So much. Thank you. Cheers, Good night to you. If you have a question, you can call us on 0892102010. We were talking all the time about the two people and the mediator. What if one person approaches the mediator, but the other one isn't really all that keen? How difficult is it to get the second person in? Or are there some cases where it just falls apart because the second person really just isn't interested in doing this? Yeah, the very nature of mediation is that it's a voluntary process. So yeah. you can't force the other party to, to, to 
get involved in the process and cooperate. There does need to be that, that cooperation voluntarily from that side. What I tend to do, and that's where the, the pre-mediation sessions are, are, are very valuable, is where the, a party is skeptical about the process. They have concerns, they're not so sure. You get them in for one pre-mediation session and it kind of addresses their concerns and you upplay the advantages of mediation. And you, you point out the risks of litigation, the costs involved, um, the time involved, the emotions involved. And that, that has a tendency of persuading them to at least give mediation a try, give it a shot. If it doesn't work, you know, they've, they've lost a little bit of time, um, a bit of money, but not as much as, you know, as, as potentially if they just jumped in and went, went to court. This mediation strikes me as well, though, is if you're going to take divorce, for example, if you go into court, the one is always looking to get out, you know, I'll, I'm going to take him to the cleaners is sort of like the, the typical thing. In mediation, it almost sounds almost like a, a more of a fair sort of situation where hopefully you can come to an agreement as opposed to fighting about I want everything. It, it is. I mean, it's easy to romanticize mediation as well, well in, yeah. the, in the sense that uh, the sessions very often are quite heated and it's yes. not easy work. Um, but yes, the guiding principle is is to try and achieve a settlement which is mutually acceptable to both parties. So you, you, you're trained as mediators to explore common ground, to help build a conversation between the clients which assists them to get to a point where they start building an agreement. So... It, it's an it's an environment that is conducive towards settlement right from the start, and it does make it a lot easier for clients to begin talking that kind of language and and just relaxing into the process a little bit. Uh, but you do often have to work very hard, and you have to often um, explain carefully to clients who might be a bit resistant to the idea of mediation how it can benefit them. And uh, part of the discussion, particularly when you talk about people who come in with an attitude that they want to take the other person to the cleaners is to just talk about how certain they are of getting the outcome they think they would get from court and just what are some of the risks in going to court uh, how how certain are you you're going to get what you think you're going to get and uh, it's part of the reality checking exercise in mediation is just to find out how realistic is it to get what you think you're going to get out of this process. And when people start thinking like that, they begin to realize that, well, actually, maybe I'm better off negotiating something here where I remain in control of the process than handing over to third parties decisions which I may start being a bit uncomfortable with. Mm. And as we said at the beginning, you know, you can actually say your piece here mm. because we're in court, you possibly not. Yes. You, you have a mouthpiece that's yeah. doing it for you. Yeah. Here you can actually say exactly what you need to say. Yeah. And just following on from what, what John said, the reality testing in court cases happens too late. It happens when an order, when a judge or magistrate has made an order and then they go, hang on, this can't work in reality. Uh, the custody arrangements regarding children perhaps doesn't work like it should. The division of assets doesn't work. A lot of money has been done away with paying for le legal fees. So that reality testing happens too late. Whereas in mediation, it's constantly happening where, where you, you're facilitating the parties and trying to find a solution and you say to them, okay, well, will that work? Is it, is it realistic? So that's also one of the, the huge advantages of mediation is that there's a constant element of reality testing. The other thing you said, which was quite interesting when you were talking to Ricky on the, earlier, you said the, the costs are agreed with the mediator up front. Yes. So you know before you go into this what it's going to cost you. Correct, correct. So it's not the huge shock at the end when you suddenly get the bill. Yes, that's correct. Okay, so how does that work? 
I mean, obviously that's the mediation costs, but then also you have to factor in your own attorney costs as well. Yes. Okay. Yes. And each party would pay for their own yes, in that, in that regard. The, the one that's split between the two of them is the mediators. Typi- typically, cost. it's, it's split 50-50. If there are financial reasons for, the, for it to be prorated um, proportionately between perhaps one individual earns significantly more than the other, then there can be that variation. And that uh, that will be in- included in, in the agreement to mediate, which is signed by the individuals and then the mediator. So that's agreed upfront before any mediation takes place. And where do these normally take place? In the, your office or where the neutral sort of venue? Where, did, where does it happen? They usually take place at, at the offices of attorneys, psychologists, counsellors, social workers, yes. And you, is that an extra cost for the cost of the venue, or do you just is it all included in the mediation? No, t- cost? typically if it's at the office of an attorney, then that's included. If there's some reason as to why a venue should be hired, perhaps there's a number of, of parties to the mediation, such as a building dispute, then perhaps a bigger venue is needed, and then that that would need to be factored in, but discussed upfront with the parties. At least you know what you're letting yourself in for. Yes. 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 Okay. Well, that's is yes. that after once you decided to go into mediation, or can you ask how much it's going to cost you? before you start the process? It, it happens before you start the process. Okay, so there's no sort of rude shocks anywhere. No, that's, that's no. So and, and that ties back into the whole transparency mm. of transparency of the process. Gosh, it just makes life sound a whole lot easier. That's if you have yeah. to do this, you know, unfortunately, if you have to do this, mm. then try not to give yourself a really hard time about doing <laughs> it. <laughs> no, absolutely, that's right. And most of us mediators, what we do is we will send to the clients a bit of information to read at the before they get into the process. So we might have a short mediation agreement and uh, they like to get that up front, which also usually con- contains information about the costs. And uh, so, you know, before they even come into a meeting, they've had one or two things to look at. Nothing overwhelming, you know, not lots of documents, but uh, something short to explain to them briefly what the mediation is about and how it's going to work and what it will cost. Uh, you know. Th- very particularly in an urban setting very many of the referrals are via email so one can pretty quickly set up a system where you're copying both clients in on information about the mediation and and then get into meetings right we don't have much time left as i said the phones are playing up a little bit this evening but you have got 20 minutes if you need to call us so if you want to do that now please do don't do the five minutes before the end of the show story the number 0892 2010 john in your book you have a whole section on questions to ask yourself before you go into mediation what should we be asking ourselves questions the clients should be asking yes yes well i think there's a range of things it's useful for clients to sit down with a piece of paper and just list the things that they are concerned about as a starting point you know what are the things that are on top of your mind that you are really worried about and then have a second list of what are the things that I should be worried about or the things that I haven't mentioned as concerns on my first list, but things that I really need to look out for. And that's where it's useful to just look at other things, get advice, read things, so that you get an idea as to what other people have done in similar situations. And uh, there are various checklists and things that are available uh, for people to think through the various issues relating to children, assets, debts, things which need to be divided, uh, maintenance issues and things like that. So the the advantage of doing that kind of preparation work is that before you then even get into a mediation, you're perhaps a little bit calmer about the issues that you will need to talk about and argue about and negotiate and fight about in the mediation. But you've, you've 
taken a bit of time to sit down on a piece of paper what my realistic concerns are and go into the process a little bit more prepared like that. And the book just gives a couple of pointers as to, to things which clients can do. Um, the idea behind the book was to write something which would be useful for newly trained mediators but also useful for clients who want to read. Uh, it, and it's short and um, gives a number of checklists and pointers for clients. And as I said, very easy to read, even for the man in the street like myself, which is uh, not always easy when you're reading medical, uh, medical, when you're reading legal books, um, it can get quite, you can get quite bogged down in it and think, I really have got no idea what's going on. And then you just close the book. This, you can actually page through it. You can find what you need to find. It's called Mediation in Family and Divorce Disputes. It's by John O'Leary. And he said it was published, well, it is published by Cyber Inc. And it's available either, you can find it on their website, cyberinc.co.za or from Kalahari, you said it's available. So if you wanted to get hold of this, if you are unfortunately finding yourself in this situation, or if you're a mediator and you'd like to just have this as a reference book, um, I would personally recommend it, and hopefully I'll never have to actually use it. It was really nice to read it, but I hope I won't ever have to actually use it. Um, just people wondering about costs. I was just reading a press release actually from you, Ashley. It says here that typically a mediator charges between 600 and 1,200 Rand an hour, and generally there are three to six sessions. Now you look at that, and then you look at the cost of an attorney for a court case. I mean, you can't. You, there's no comparison. Yes, it's it's like chalk and cheese. If you're looking at six sessions, that you know the, those amounts, and, and the cost of a medi- mediator varies based on experience mm. and their degrees, their qualifications. So it's, it's between six hundred and twelve hundred an hour, and there could be three sessions or six sessions. Yes. Yeah. Six, and and John can comment where he where he deems necessary. Six sessions, you you're moving into territory where the mediation is unlikely to succeed. Gosh, really? After that, six sessions. So six to uh, six, you, you you will call. You'll make a decision to to, to call it a day. Oh, that's what I was going to ask you. Is there so any, any time when you just say, look, I really don't think this is going to work. You have to go to court. Yeah, pretty much the six the six session mark is where where you'd be able to be in a position to call it. Does that happen often? No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't happen often in mediations because there are filters built into the process. So people will generally come into mediation, 90% of the time they're people who want to resolve their dispute, but they're just battling to, they're stuck. They're they're desperate to get out of the situation they found themselves in. Uh, It's not typically people who are uh, hell-bent on destroying each other in the process. They're generally not the ones who come into mediation. So... As Ashley says quite correctly, if you find yourself getting to five, six, seven sessions, you're probably dealing with a situation which is pretty stuck in some key areas and might need the help of uh, lawyers or psychologists or social workers to unlock things a little bit. So these aren't really for those really acrimonious, really bad cases. I mean, this is for somebody who's relatively had they have an idea they don't want to be together or they don't want to do business together whatever anymore but they want to hopefully amicably part ways it, it depends there's there's instances where those really ugly fights do start out litigiously so that one party will go to their attorney the other will go to that attorney they want to take each other to the cleaners they reach a point where they've spent a lot of money on legal fees and then they go right let's try mediation because we actually can't afford to litigate any further and that's where mediation comes into play and you have three sessions with those individuals like that and it settles so the very ugly acrimonious matters do have a tendency to settle they just get there at a later stage yeah that's absolutely right and, and what we found in FAMAC over the years is that uh, 
many of the litigation attorneys will refer matters to mediators at a okay. point at a point where it needs the assistance of a mediator to just unlock things and uh, you know that's there's nothing wrong with that approach as well it's it's quite common in fact is it essential that each party has their own attorney is it kind of you have to have an attorney or do some people think well, I'll do this myself as mediators we are ethically bound to advise each party to to seek independent legal advice whether they use that information or not is is entirely up to them so we, we do advise them to seek seek advice regarding settlement proposals and and a final mm. final settlement order but if they if they don't want to use that advice, then unfortunately there's nothing we can do as mediators. But you can still go ahead with a mediation, though. Oh yes, yes. Okay. Yes. Right, Evolt in Grahamstown. Good evening. So good evening. Just two questions. Just like as a rule of thumb, usually how much do they charge? Is it per hour, hours per session? Um, that's the one question. Just have a general idea of how much you know what the cost is like. What lawyers charge? Six hundred thousand rand an hour. And the other thing is, if one would be interested in becoming a mediator, where would one, how would one get the training for that? Yeah, well, we actually just mentioned that the mediator themselves charge yes. between 600 and 1,200 rand per hour, depending... Okay, I must have missed that in, oh, in phoning that, 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 okay. that depends, obviously, on their qualifications, you said, Ashley? Yes, expertise, uh, qualifications... Experience, right. Yes. Hmm. And, but that doesn't include the cost of the attorney. Each party has their own attorney as well. Okay, is that per hour or per session? It, it, it typically is, is per hour, and per a session hour, right. sessions usually don't run for longer than an hour and a half. Okay, because people will get tired by then. Right? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, And yes. then the training, if one would be interested in becoming a mediator, how You're would You're in Grahamstown. Where would we ever go in Grahamstown? Yes, in fact, there's uh, a very well-organized new group in the Eastern Cape called CEDRA, South Eastern Dispute Resolution Association. Yes. And uh, it is based in Port Elizabeth, but there are members from East London, Grahamstown, and uh, certainly you would be it would be possible to link up um, I'm not quite sure what's the easiest way of making names available um, but there are people that we can we can put you in touch with um Evolt, have you got an email address yes, I can okay I'm, I'm, g- no, I'm gonna put you back to my producer now if you can just give him your email address thank you very much and then I will get that information from John after the show and I'll email it to you later this evening most appreciated thank okay, you very so much. just hold the line bye-bye Okay, so as you said, it's called CEDRA, S-E-D-R-A, if anybody's wanting to look it up on the internet. Um, And you say it's a relatively new group. Yes, they've been getting organised for the last three or four years, and uh, they've now got quite a solid group of people. Uh, We did a training recently, and uh, yeah, they've got a very, very vibrant group there. So nice to see that it is moving around the country. As you said, it's it's us and Cape Town, Eastern Cape, and Johannesburg and Durban. Yeah. And the rest of the country hopefully to follow on not too distant absolutely, future absolutely yeah um talking about mentoring do you is that a, obviously quite a big thing as far as mediators concerned mentoring the newly qualified if you like mediators yes yes it is an important aspect and it, it is part of your training that you need to do a number of sessions co-mediating with an experienced mediator and it's important in the sense to see how how the process runs and what the role of the mediator is especially if you're coming from a legal background it, it can be difficult for, for attorneys to take off their hat as an attorney and step into that role as a mediator. So the mentoring and, and just having someone kind of guiding you and assisting you in how to do that is extremely beneficial to mediators. Absolutely, it, it's very important. And the FAMAC, for example, is entirely a training and mentoring organization. It's not a service provider as such. So it's a voluntary association and it exists in order to support members in building their practices, training, getting skills, getting started, getting going. And uh, 
so we have workshops we have thursday evening case meetings once a month saturday morning workshops uh, we just had lisa parkinson from the uk who trained many of us 20 years ago came out again to speak at our conference and ran a workshop on saturday morning on the art and architecture of mediation which is which was great fun it must be quite a um, a good feeling actually when you get to the end of a mediation and people have uh, have resolved their disputes or their issues and um, you know they go away happy. Do they always go away happy? They don't always go away happy. I mean, <laughs> they they go away relieved. They go away thoughtful. They go away reflective about uh, what they've achieved. And yes, they do go away happy. I mean, they go away relieved in the sense that they've done something constructive. Um, but, you know, family disputes are complex and it takes a long time for people to recover from the bitterness and the hurt and all of the problems that have built up. But uh, you do have a sense of achievement at the end of a mediation, absolutely. The mediator does and the clients do. Um, it is, it, it helps people communicate about their disputes in a different way. And that's the great value of it. So, you know, even if they have further fights in the future and some people just always will fight throughout their lives, but even if they have managed to learn a slightly different pattern of communicating and negotiating, then you've, you've achieved a lot. Yeah. I've just got, we wrote a note here, the best result is where both parties feel slightly unhappy. <laughs> Which is somewhat true, because both parties are compromising to a degree, mm. and, a, and a compromise involves an element of, of you not getting entirely what you wanted. So, but just following on from what John said, the mediation and the success of it is is parties often lose sight of the fact that there's two relationships involved in in divorces for example the one is husband and wife and the second is parents and the although the husband and wife relationship has come to an end the relationship as parents does not and it continues for a number of years and what mediation does is is it it sets the foundation for amicable ways of dealing with disagreements, differing of opinion between between parents, as opposed to having had this very bitter, long, expensive fight in court where both parties hate each other even more, and co-parenting is, is near impossible. So that that's the beauty of mediation where children are involved, and, and it decreases the likelihood of post-divorce disputes occurring because they've identified what the issues are, how they'd like to deal with it. There is that communication um, that exists between the two of them because they've sat down and they've gone through this amicable process. Do you ever find that if you've dealt with the mediation through a divorce, that sometimes post-divorce they'll come back for further mediation? Is that ever... It does, does happen. Does it happen? Yes, yes, it does. It does happen... Yeah, it, a lot. Yeah, yeah. Oh, quite a lot. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? So the, the the offer, if you like, is always there to come back and continue if you need to further down the line? Yes, yes, it does. it's not like we've done this now and off you go and get on with it yourself. If you need to come back, yes. it's open to you, you can do that. It's yes. not a one-time deal. Yes. Abraham in Pretoria, good evening. Good good evening, uh, everybody in the studio. Hi. Um, I, I just wondered, I think I've missed um, something. I've got a question in, um, regarding a mediator. Yeah, um, is there a fixed price they have to charge, or does it differ from mediator to mediator? No, there's no fixed price. It differs from mediator to mediator. And the general principle is that your mediator will charge what they would normally charge in their professional practice. So if you're working with a social worker who's a mediator, or a psychologist or who's a mediator, or an attorney mediating, you will basically be charged what they charge in their, their practice. There's no uh, fixed there's no fixed tariff for for private mediations 
there is going to be a tariff for the quarter next mediations after the 1st of December, but that is only for those mediations which come through that court system. And there will, we don't yet know what that tariff is going to be, but there will be uh, a cost range prescribed for those mediations. But private mediations, the mediator charges what they, what they charge in their practice. Okay. And then I've got another question. It will be quick. Um, if if uh, what happens if the you you pitch up, um, the, the 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 attorney is there and the other person doesn't pitch up, will the will the the the, the, the um, fee stay the same? So there won't be actually there won't be any mediation, uh, but will the fee still um, be the same? Yeah, there, there would have been an agreement ab- about fees and costs before before all the the parties would have arrived at that meeting, and that agreement will 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 supersede and, and manage the the situation. Although the one party didn't show up, so the cost basically will still be charged for the time. I think is what you're saying, Ashley. Yes, yes, yes correct. Yeah. And it, it depends on the the attorney or the psychologist mediating, but yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure they'd have at least a 24 hour cancellation policy. And if the other party didn't didn't arrive, unfortunately, if the agreement was that the cost would be borne equally between the two of you, then that that unfortunately would probably stand. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. That wasn't the situation. I, I, I. The cost was all on me um, because the other party doesn't want to 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 pay. You see, so I, 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 I have the cost, mm. and okay. I lose all the money at the end of the day because the attorney said to me, "But you have to sort it out with that person." Unfortunately, there's nothing we can do about it. Yes, yes, and they didn't. And we, as I said, um, we 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 were waiting, and the per- person didn't pitch up, and five minutes, trip gone, yeah. over three thousand rand. Mm. Yeah, it just shows how important it is to to find out first how willing the other party is to seriously enter into the mediation and what basis the costs are going to be charged, are they going to be split between the parties. You know, it's important to talk about all those things up front. Um, can I just mention an issue that is not the question that you asked, but it's an important thing that I thought of earlier that we perhaps should talk about, and that is that if you're a mediator and one party arrives with an attorney and the other party er- arrives without an attorney, the mediator will be very careful about going ahead with the meeting at that stage, uh, certainly with a party who doesn't have representation. Yeah. So we're very careful to make sure there isn't a power imbalance between the parties. So we would either say to the attorney, look, we'd like you to sit this session out if you don't mind, and I'm just going to talk to the parties, or you can adjourn and then make sure that the party who doesn't have an attorney does have somebody there to assist them. Yeah. But you'd never go on in a situation where there's there's... A, a power imbalance created. Thank you very much for your Pleasure. time. Thanks, Abraham, and good luck to you. Goodbye. Thanks. Bye bye now. Gosh, there is a problem if uh, you end up having to put the whole entire ball. Yeah, Does it, that it, often happen? No, it hasn't happened in my practice before. Um, but unfortunately, it, it does come down to the, the nature of mediation. It mm. is voluntary. Mm. And, and as John mentioned, you know, most people that get involved in the process are wanting to, to settle their dispute. But unfortunately, you do get the odd case or two, uh, as with the previous caller, where the one party might have changed their mind, they don't show up, and, mm. and there are cost implications. But in the long run, mediation sounds like definitely the way to go here. 
yes. Well, my thanks once again this evening to Ashley Curran. She's a partner, Duplessis and Curran attorneys, and attorney and mediator John O'Leary, who recently published a book entitled Mediation in Family and Divorce Disputes. It's published by Cyber Inc. That's S-I-B-E-R. I-N-K. You can find it on their website, cyberinc.co.za or at Kalahari on the website. And if you're wanting information on FAMAC, it's info at FAMAC. It's F for Freddy, A-M-A-C dot C-O dot Z-A. And uh, Ashley and John have been my guests on tonight's edition of the Law Report program. The Law Report is on the air on SAFM every Monday evening between 9 and 10. And a reminder, again, there's a list of available documents on the Facebook page, Law on SAFM. Post a message there if you'd like them. And please remember to include your email address or if you don't have access to Facebook, email me on law at safm.co.za and I'll send you a copy of the list. I'll be back with you again tomorrow evening just after nine with Health Matters, so join me then. Stephen Kirk is up next with some nighttime music. Hello, Stephen.